Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from this secret palatial office in downtown Chicago is a wacky, arm-waving, inflatable two-person. How are you? I was going to make a voice like the two people, but then I remembered that they don't have voices, and the bit fell apart immediately. I have no actual mouth, and I must have air blown into me. That's a sci-fi book. I I must perpetually smile, but inside I scream. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah. Shelby Mongan, thanks yeah, for coming back on. It's Shelby, it's everyone's favorite Overwatch correspondent. Uh, I'm good. I'm tired, uh, which I think is the older I get, the more and more real that becomes. Yeah. Um, and that's a joy. Aging is beautiful. It really is. <laughs> um, but Tell no. me about the pains of being 27? Eight. How dare you? Um no, it's a, it's a joy to learn of the passage of time. Uh, it's mostly because fo- there was the National Football Championship for college football was on last night. So I was up late in true unnerd fashion. I was watching the sport ball um, and cheering for the Tigers, which is a funny joke only for people that care about college football, and I refuse to explain it to anyone else. Both Both teams are the Tigers. So uh, it was it was fun to watch a lot of people think they were being original on Twitter. It was very satisfying. Yeah, you know, it happens. But I'm good. How are you, Bill? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I have a sore lower back, and I'm not sure if it's because my previous bed, which I just swapped out, was bad, and now I have like a good bed, and it's like got a you know firmer support. The pain of a good bed <laughs> it might just be a coincidence. Might have been some other stuff. Right. And it'll just go away and won't be a debilitating condition that affects the rest of my life. Well, it also just might be that you're old. Because yeah. you're like, what, 47? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's very kind of you. I'm actually 49, but I appreciate you rounding it down. I didn't I didn't claim that you were 69. You should be very proud of how mature an adult I am. You are so mature. <laughs> you are wise beyond your years. Um, yeah, no, it's it's – I hope that your back resolves and it is – Neither age nor mattress that is causing it. By the time we find out, we'll have heard this week's interview because uh, I'm going to be talking with Ian Beckman about his game Cosmos Quick Stop. You know, I've had Ian on a few different times, but always like kind of in a in a rush because it'll be like at an event and we'll talk for like five minutes and then he has to like show his game and sell his game and I have to like go be a convention goer, which is a lot easier if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot less weaving when you're stationary at a table, but literally that's the only part that's easier. Right. Uh, but this time we're actually going to sit down. I assume he's going to sit down. We're going to be on Skype. Uh, and we're going to have like a full long interview to talk about like him and his team, Big Sur Games, and their progress on the project. I am so excited to hear it in the future. But now for the listeners, how exciting. Oh, yes. Yes, that's good. That's good. Temporal analysis. It's good. It's like basically Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Doctor Who, in the meantime, we have to talk about some television shows. Okay, I got you. (laughs) I know that facial expressions don't make sounds over podcasts, but I hope people felt the face that I made. 
Speaking of sounds over podcasts, Shelby, before we get to this interview, uh, you and I have to do some screen watching. Why am I on this podcast? I was outside watching some dear frolic. You don't even care about the outside, do you? You know exactly why you're on this podcast, and it's the show that we are watching that you blame. You say it's my fault for having offered you the opportunity to pick this. It is. It's completely your fault. You've tempted me, and you now have to reap what you have sown. The Google Doc is a tool. It's not a weapon. It's not a gun that you fire at other people, like with this show, which you have fired at me so rudely. You know what else is is a tool? Bible Man. Are the new adventures of he's a tool he's a tool he's kind he, of a jerk he's, a tool. he's kind of a jerk yeah he's a, he's the worst bible man uh the episode is titled <laughs> lasting the big game master bully season five episode six and the only air date they have is 2009 it's so upsetting i had a smartphone that year you know i was pretty hard on beetlejuice when we watched it maybe unfairly because i yeah. feel like People did try hard to make that a quality cartoon. Right. And there were things that were uh, maybe not for me, but for others, enjoyable about how Beetlejuice was portrayed. Right, right. I'm not sure we can say the same about Bible Man. <laughs> this is so bad. Okay, so so for context for the, the listening audience, and we talked a little bit about this ahead of time, but so I picked this A, purely as torture for Bill, but B, more importantly, because... <laughs> There are so few opportunities for me to leverage the six years I spent in undergrad and grad school doing religious studies and theology. I have a literal master's degree that I don't use for anything because academia is a black hole into which too many good people get sucked. Um, So when I realized that Bible Man was on this list and there was at least a video game adjacent episode... I was like, oh, oh, this is a Shelby pick because I will tangent internally and will I will spare you um, from the longer tangents, but tangent internally about the episode itself. But like, I feel like I can I can bring some expertise that's not Overwatch related. These are the two areas I got. They're very limited, but I do have them. Um, and I was just like, I need to see what they do with video games. Because I will say, too, so Bible Man is, I know this is going to come into a shock, or as a shock to y'all, but, like, it's a Christian show, you know, <gasps> for children. Um, and I there are definitely some mixed understandings of video games in the evangelical Christian community. And so I was really fascinated to see what they do with it. Turns out it's way worse than I thought it was going to be. And for reasons I could not have imagined. Yeah. I I mean, you can do kind of a by the numbers, like moralizing tale about bullies and victims and like video games. And this, this episode is none of that. It's like just nothing. It's literally nothing. This is a, it's, it's a runtime of 32 minutes. It feels like 52 minutes. And if you cut out all the air, it would be like 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think they could literally accomplish the narrative that they set up. They even attempt to set up an A and B plot. And like the narrative that they set up could be accomplished in 10 minutes, maybe. 
It's just like everything, even the title of the show, Blasting the Game Master Bully, is so like protracted and like unnecessarily long. Like that's how everything is in this episode. It just like takes four or five times longer than it could possibly need to be. So I, I messaged you about this earlier, and I think the the whole series is really interesting for this reason, and this episode is a great microcosm. That this show is so A terrible. <laughs> So, so poorly made. I have watched antenna television, non-PBS children shows that were nightmare fuel, and they were better quality than this show. So it's truly terrible. And this show is both the most sincere and the most crass money grab in the same show, which is fascinating. Like... People both deeply believe in and think all of their viewers are suckers and everything this like throughout the show. And it's fascinating to watch because it's like the sincerity and the attempt to just steal money from people essentially. And the what's the lowest budget we can get so we can get the most return on it. Those are both like so perfectly married in the lack of quality in the show. I don't know anything about the production of this show, but I'm guessing that the actor who portrays Bible Man is like, he must be fronting the money and that like, he's like the director and the writer. Oh no, this like, is a th- No, no, no. This no? is like, so this is a whole, this is a side industry. I will knock it into, but like Christian video entertainment and particularly for children is like a massive, massive industry. So this is a production company that put this together. Oh, okay. Yeah, tell um, me more. I it's so it is. Well, because there there's this, so there's this market for, if you're part of a community that is actively, I'm trying to think of a kind way to say this, because I don't, I don't mean it unkindly necessarily, but you're part of a community that prefers to stay more insular in order to like make your life easier or better. I'm nodding along. That's a nice and, way to say uh, that, right? Like they, they, they want to keep it on the inside. They, they want to be particular about what they're consuming. Okay. So if, <laughs> if you slap, it's, it's, I'm trying to be kind, but if you slap the label of like Christian on anything and then kind of put Bible verses throughout, there's a huge market because people are not spending on other entertainment and they have money to spend and they want to impart values, impart stories, fill in the gaps of the entertainment that other kids have or other people have with something that is appropriate and fits in their context and their community. So there's just like a shit ton of money floating around to fund cheap Christian entertainment that will return a lot of money because it will be bought by not only homes, but like churches and youth groups and schools for like crap to show. And the cheaper that they can make it, the more return they can get on it. So they're like, they're legitimately, there's like factories. It's like (laughs) K-pop of like (laughs) factories of churning out stuff that, that meets this very narrow demand. So that's what I mean when I say, like, I think that the people that are probably writing the show, legitimately there's a sincerity to what they're doing but the machine that's turning them out and maybe some of them as well like there is a crassness there is a like aggressively capitalistic how much money like let's get money out of this market let's wring blood out of a stone like both of those things are existing simultaneously in the show and it's it's people with no taste trying to copy seriously it's people with no taste trying to copy stuff that is cool um, and that's that's an industry. There are plenty of movies. Look at, for example, the God's Not Dead series of movies. Like, those made a bunch of money. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Don't worry about it if you haven't. They're not very good. Not worrying about it. Um, but they are. They went to theaters and they exist. They they clearly are sort of lacking any self awareness and much taste, but they're fulfilling this like very specific niche market. Hmm. It's very Christian media and like specifically like Protestant or evangelical Christian media is like a fascinating landscape in the U.S. to look at. I told you to not let her let like theologian and cultural studies shall be out. Um, but it is really, really interesting. So it's an interesting backdrop. Bible Man was being made from 95 to 2010. This is not the original Bible Man. I didn't know that. There were three series of the show. They kept making it. People liked it enough or kept paying for it is probably the more accurate thing. Probably that one, yeah. Though I am sympathetic to the fact that there is almost certainly someone that will listen to this or just people in general who like do have a nostalgia for this show. And to them, I say like, hell yeah, <laughs> that's dope. Please have nostalgia for it. Like there, there is no, there is no problem with it. But I think empirically looking at it as an adult, like it's actively bad. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the plot? Although we're going to start out with the opening and we probably care about it more than the actual people who made the show did because it's brought up and then never talked about again after the first. Not at all. Yeah, this is really, this is about as tangential as I think anything that we're going to talk about in screen watching or that like anyone on screen watching will talk about. I'm pretty sure this is tangential as it gets. All right, so there's a guy. <laughs> Gird your loins, Bill. There's a guy in his home and he's talking to someone on the phone and he's like, ah, it's good to brag about things. And Bible Man, I'm assuming it's Bible Man at this point. I don't know, but I'm assuming it's Bible Man and his friend, like, sneak into his, his house. <laughs> it's like a sidekick. It's not his, it's not <laughs> it can be two things, Jeff. Shelby. He's also in a costume that matches. Yeah, uh, and, I, I, you know, you find out later his name is Cypher. I don't know. So there's Bible Man, Bible Girl, Bi- Cypher, and then a woman who is dressed like kind of a Captain Marvelish costume, who I don't know if they ever say her name. Melody. Is that, is that the name of her, like, no, that's her, alias? No, no, no. That's her alias name, yeah. Her real name is, like, Mia. I, do, I looked up the Wikipedia before okay, we came in here, and I, I heard Melody, and I was like, that's a terrible superhero name, and that's why I remembered it specifically. <laughs> so Bible Man and Cypher, you know, they, they sneak in, and oh, my God, it's already, ugh, like, they do. So they're trying to set up that they're sneaking in. Yeah. And they do, like, they show the two heroes outside. They show the villain inside. They cut back to the heroes outside, still sneaking. They cut back to the villain inside. They cut back to the heroes, still sneaking. And then at one point, they sneak under laser, like CG lasers, which is very, very good. The dude hits the laser. Like, he definitely, I mean, obviously they put him in afterward. Like, they set it up so he hits the laser. Yeah. I... So I will say for those like who aren't going to watch this, which hopefully is everyone, um, the aesthetic of this show feels like Power Rangers, but worse. Do you know what I mean? Like in the quality of like early Power Rangers costumes, but without any of the like interesting aesthetic decisions. Yeah, that there's they no made. zaniness. No, no, like no, uh, like freneticism. No, it's every scene is written like some of the worst improv scenes I've ever seen. So bad. You know what it is? It is Power Rangers. If Power Rangers was about those like Chinese dollar store knockoff versions <laughs> of like DC characters, <laughs> like if you've ever seen yeah. the like 
Snyclops. It's it'll be like Aquaman, yeah. But it'll be a repainted figure of WWE wrestler Roman Reigns. Right, 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 right. right. Yes, exactly. But Aquaman is spelled like O Q U O inexplicably, like an umlaut. Yeah. man right, with an right. E at the end like it clearly is just like misspelled that's what it feels like as if someone made us attempting to make a coherent series that's also secretly not secretly about Jesus but the characters are all knockoff superheroes they finally break in and then they just like they talk to the guy for a while and then they like start fighting and like the fighting that follows through the entire episode is like the actors like waving their arms back and forth so they can edit in CGI later of them like blocking lasers. That's like every fight scene. So can I tell you my favorite snippet that I read about this show when I was reading the like reception on Wikipedia? Please. There was criticism about the show being too violent. Oh my God. Because Bible Man wouldn't use violence. <sighs> it's so good. It's so, That's so... <laughs> There's so many points that have been missed to get to that as a criticism, and I'm just, I'm just tickled. It makes me so happy. So, <laughs> oh my god! So they, Joy. they, they fight a little bit. Every, like I can't really uh, vocalize how labored this whole thing is. Like they'll, so there'll be a little action, then they'll talk more, then a little more action, then they'll talk more, and finally it ends up that. So the, the bad guy, it looks like he presses the button sure. on his chair sure. intentionally. Sure. But then it like it shoots his cane, which is not what he wanted. And then he gets exploded out of the room and presumably dies. He Presum- fall, he's shot out and falls to his death. Right. And goes, let's be honest, to hell. Yeah. I mean. In the universe of the show. Yes. He's going to go burn with Satan for all eternity. Yeah. In one of the levels of Dante's Inferno. If I wasn't so sleepy, I bet I could figure out which one it would be. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've already spent more time thinking about this than anyone who worked on the show did. Because, like, it's it just they after that is the intro to the show and nothing that happened before is ever mentioned again. has nothing to do with it. It's like, so sometimes you'll get, this is a trope that I'll see sometimes in comics or in, like, especially hero-type narratives where the beginning, like, the setup will be them, like, finishing what was clearly already, uh, but there's so much time spent in this, like, in media res entry that doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the episode and frankly doesn't establish anything except like don't be prideful because Jesus said so. Yeah. Well, in this case, Paul. I think they were quoting Romans. But like it doesn't actually establish any. It's just an excuse to ham fist in some other Bible verses. Good shows have cold opens too. Like it's not a it's not a sin to have a cold open. It was a sin to have this cold open. It though. was. It was. Let's get to the real plot. Okay. I, I Oh, my God. I, I got the intro. The intro. So, like, <laughs> I, I think they're trying to say that the kid found salvation from his hardships in life mm-hmm. through the Bible and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then he that gave him the power within to gain strength and become Bible man. Now, is this the second Bible man or the first one? Because they have two different origin stories. This is, this the, is second the second one. Bible. So the original or the original Bible man was super rich. And then in the time of need, like went to the Lord. I mean, this is literally, so this is literally a story from the gospels, which is like, all right. But, um, came to God in his time of need. And God was like, you must serve me in this purple costume by quoting verses and punching bad guys, but gently, um, and so he went from like rich to preaching where I think this kid was like, Grew up with hardships, and the Lord gave him strength. 
it just it's like not so well communicated right. but that's like what's actually happening because like he no doesn't really face any hard i mean he no. does face hardship lowercase h but not like his <laughs> his parents argued a kid yelled at him in the hallway at school right he was vaguely bullied yeah kind of kind of so the the actual episode begins and <laughs> we have so much you're editing this is gonna suck we're going to spend more time discussing this than both episodes of Gravity Falls. Yeah, but Gravity Falls speaks for itself. This needs to be discussed lest we allow it to exist in peace. And if you're wondering, hey, Bill, when are you going to talk about the video games? Keep waiting. You're going to be waiting a while, I'm sorry to say. Hey, listener, when do you think the show actually talks about video games? I'll give you a hint. Shockingly, very, no, never. Look at the metadata on your podcast feed if you want to skip to the interview. But we are going to be talking about this show for a while yet. We're so having a great time. Up. This is this is exciting. All right. Uh, so I don't know if you ever watched Clone High. I didn't. I Unfortunately, that did pass over me. The, there is a, a joke in there of where uh, the one character, Cleopatra, is like, we're going to have the Awareness Festival. It's about awareness. And like that energy resonated through time to me yeah. as the one. So they, they're going to do a, a campaign, a press conference to yes. announce their new slogan, which is, it's, is it stand up for yourself? I mean, basically, but like in a nice way. It doesn't say that on the poster, but oh my God, what if it did? That poster is so. It's so bad. It is so, oh my God. I made better yeah. stuff in MS Paint in 1995. It looks like a boomer meme. That's it what it looks like. It does look like a boomer meme. Oh, my God. It writes itself. Anyway, so they, they're going to do a press conference to announce their campaign to stand up for yourself. Sure. Few, so few people are standing up for themselves nowadays with all of the secular people in media. Then you cut. they cut to a school where a kid is getting bullied, and they can't, they can't show him actually getting bullied so he makes a face like shampoo got in his eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he, they're like some kids approaching me. They're like, "Give us your homework," and he's like, "No," and they're like, "Do it," and then he just gets sad, and, and then they cut away. Yeah, again. and then they're done. That's the bullying. It's just reiterating that I would like you to do a thing. Is that before or after they have the discussion about the video game? Oh, that's I'm sorry, that it's is after. after. That's after. Yeah, before we got to loop back. There's more to cover. That, the video game is finally yes, here. We're talking about the video game now. And we're going to talk about it because that's what the characters do. You, they they, they do literally one, just talk about the video game briefly. The only shots they show are facing away from the TV. They never show a television. The, they never show television in the show. They never show a video game. I gave it away. It's a spoiler. But yeah. Bill, can you? I, I want you to spend time, though, now or, or in the future. Really, maybe as you fall asleep tonight, if you want to have nightmares. Is picture what they would have animated had they made this video game in the show. It would have been incredible. We are deprived. They would have. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking they would have taken like just some static shot and run like a pixelated layer over it. Totally. And then had the character like green screened on top of it. So they're yeah. like running around like that. And then someone just hits books out of someone's hands. Exactly. Just Nick Arcade. It's just literally Nick Arcade. Yeah, totally. All right, so let's get to the scene about the video game. <laughs> yeah, so they're talking about how they want to play the game Big Bad Bully. And it lets you be a bully. And if you are a good enough bully, you get to take over the world. This is the premise for this game, Big Bad Bully. So, okay, hold on. I need to do I'm doing a, a Google. 
Okay. Because, sorry, because there is a video game called Bully. There is a game called Bully. And that is good. That was like legitimately good. It is like, it's Rockstar trying to make like more juvenile humor about being in a boarding school. Right. It was actually pretty fun. It was very Grand Theft Auto in that it was kind of like open worldy mission type thing. Um, reminded me almost of Fable, but more mature humor and set in a boarding school in that same sort of structure. Yeah. Um, and that game came out first, came out in 2006. Uh-huh. Now the question is, is Bible Man referencing the video game Bully, or do they just not know video games and have decided to use it as a scapegoat to have a conversation about these children wanting to role play as a bully since they are so frequently bullied? I'm going to go with option two. How funny would it be, though, if one dude was like, I hated that bully game. Yeah, I'm going to make it the villain of this show. There's just like one secular person on the staff who has like no passion no. for the, the cross. There's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what Christian people like is the cross, just right? The cross, yeah. Yeah. The necklaces mostly. Um, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it occurred to me too when I was watching this. I was like, no, that's literally a video game though. <laughs> they already did it and it was like decent. Anyway, so they're discussing this game that. They were like, oh, I don't want to play this game about bullies. I get bullied enough as it is, which, like, to be fair, and I'm a very nice person. I'd bully these kids. They're terrible. <laughs> um, but they're like, no, you get to play the bully. I was like, I hate everything. Every video game is a power fantasy. Why would you be a bully? I mean, I guess, right, so there's actually almost a legitimately interesting question there about, like, the way that kids handle being bullied and that, so frequently kids who bully are insecure and like are struggling with something and are trying to like grasp at straws of power of their own. And so if you are a kid that's bullied and don't have like the physical imposition or charisma or intimidation to like actually be a bully in real life to take it out, I can see the appeal of having a video game to do so. However, but also the show (laughs) is useless and vapid and and like, it's like bubble wrap, in that it is light as air, easy to poke holes in, and fun to poke holes in. They could have had an interesting conversation here. Like, that's what pisses me off, is that could have been an interesting conversation. It could have been. It wasn't. No. Even vaguely. No. Useless. <laughs> so they, they talk about the game. They're like, yeah, I don't really want to play the game. Well, two of the kids are like, one kid is like, no. One kid is like, no, and like principled about it. And one kid is like, yes. One kid is down af yeah he's he's ready he's ready to bully he's pre-ordered it yeah he's gonna get the uh packing keychain from when yeah so you can you can go to gamestop and get the the big bad bully keychain yeah or you can go to target and you get a extra can of mountain dew live wire yeah but you know what he has also already done was downloaded the promotional skin for his playstation ah yes 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 yeah so people can know that he's on the it would have been 2009 Uh, ps2 Right? Yeah, PS2 or PS3? Either one. These kids did not have a PS3, Bill. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Let's be honest. They, they would be lucky to have a PS2. <laughs> it's on their PS1. <laughs> the, the, the skin is just a sticker that goes over their memory card that's a promotional for that game. They do show like a physical cartridge or a case for a Big Bad Bully, and it, it, it's very slapdash. It's exactly what you expect. Yeah. Which is to say terrible. All right, so they, they, they talk about the game, and then... Bible Man and his team have the press conference talk, and then the littlest kid gets bullied, and then 
we finally meet our villain for the episode. The villain's name. Please say his name. Super World Game Master 3. Two things about that. So there is a Super World Game Master 2. <laughs> yes, there is. There is. In a different episode of the show. So this is like a refinement. It's literally like the next iteration of that like cyborg creature thing. Bible Man is continuity. There isn't an original one. What? I looked through the list and maybe I missed it, but I looked through the list of villains and I'm pretty sure there's not a first one. Oh my God, Shelby. <laughs> I have to double check this. Like maybe you Bible Man like f- super fans can double check me. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure that two was where they started. Oh, Shelby. His okay. costume is eight. So, so have you ever actually watched Doctor Who before? No. Okay. So in Doctor Who, there are these villains called Daleks. They are, and Cybermen both. These are the two like legendary villains. Both are kind of robotic. They're the intruder alert, intruder alert. Yes. So Daleks are like trash cans and Cybermen are like dudes in Silver suits, essentially. All right. So that's literally what they were back in the day. Like, Daleks, the thing that comes out of their trash can face, was literally a plunger initially. <laughs> because BBC, this looks, actually, this kind of looks like old BBC shows as well. Because they don't care. They had no money. It was a children's show. They didn't care. They just threw crap at the wall. And this dude's costume straight up looks like a 1980s doctor who 1970s like doctor who old school terrible costume amazing it's so bad and he's vaguely maniacal and is wearing black lipstick which like it looks good i mean listen (laughs) feel yourself but his cyborg guy it's just un it's untenable this time the relationship between the two villains is very it's so close to the relationship between plankton on spongebob and his computer yes i feel like that has to be an illusion Unless they're just like that, like well, that's a, I feel like that is a trope of like sassy computer, sassy like mother slash like girlfriend computer. Okay, I do think that is I think it's a trope, but I don't know if it actually is. But I can't imagine that Bible Man came up with that. Especially, I would say it would be a reference if this was a reoccurring character beyond this episode. All right, but spoiler alert: he is defeated by. The Lord. Bible Man should be charged with a crime afterward, honestly. Also moisture. Yeah. So they talk a little bit about their plan at this point. There's a plan. Yeah. Theoretically. Oh, my God. <laughs> it hurts to talk about this. They, now, now they cut back to the people, the heroes, and they're planning their press conference. And there's just this one cut where, like, Bible Man says, like, all right, are you all ready for the press conference? And then they cut specifically to Bible Girl so she could say, yeah. Editing at its finest. And just at this moment, the alarm goes off and there's an enemy attack somewhere. Enemy is detected. It's not even attacking. Oh, sorry. They enemy just have like detected. a weird GPS that pings when they're vaguely somewhere. But it doesn't seem like the villains are moving anywhere. So it's not like they like enter a geofence. It just decides to interrupt them at any given time. Be like, I know they're where the, one of the guys is. Uh, so the, the heroes decide to split up. Bible Man and Bible Girl are going to go to the press conference. Sure. While Cypher and Melody are going to go take the enemy detection threat down. Sure. Yeah. Send the two scrubs to fight the... the I kind of figured they were the B-Squad too. Yeah. Yeah. They're the B-Squads. Send the scrubs to deal with the, the perp. 
and let Bible Man continue to put his beautiful face and shiny purple forehead in front of the world and remind them to stand up for themselves, but nicely. Yeah, we get a great moment of tone dissonance here where, theoretically, Cypher and Melody are in danger. They get, like, trapped in this uh, space. And there's, like, maybe the funniest line in the episode happens here where... Sorry, I gotta get his name again. Super World Game Master 3, he says... How can you not remember that off the top of your head, Bill? Maybe I should just shorten it to Swig'em 3. Swig'em 3. Yeah, there we go. I can't forget that. Swig'em thrice. So Swig'em the third, he says... (laughs) Destruction of all that is good, pure and right. You know, the usual. And that's the funniest line in the whole episode. That's what I'm gonna say. That would be such a good line if it was written in a parody. Like, if Dr. Doofenshmirtz said that on Phineas and Ferb, like, wow, chef's kiss. Yeah. If Taika Waititi wrote that into a villain's mouth in, like, some sort of, like, Thor sequel, oh, my God, comedic genius. Done on purpose completely sincerely? Okay. <laughs> B-Squad is apparently in danger, but they have enough time to pray. Danger. Yes, well, because Jesus is the reason for the season. And Swig'em, Swig'em, Swig'em is nice enough to let them finish their prayer before he starts attacking them with robots and then a crushing wall. Yeah. Swig'em Cube does not screw around. We break away from this, though, so Bible Man can give a sermon. It's it's literally a sermon, right? It's literally a sermon. No, you're totally right. And he just, he sermonizes at this press conference about... Sermonizes is the verb. Yep, that's correct. Nope, go on. Let's see if I can get the pronunciation. King Nebuchadnezzar? It's pretty close. Yeah, they talk about him and, like, the lesson you learned from him and, like, standing up for yourself. And You should know that. Nebuchadnezzar specifically from Matrix. That's what everyone knows, the fr- unless they, like, just generally know the name. It's because the name of the ship in the Matrix. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's about, it's, a, it's literally a sermon, which is, like, to be fair, so, like, that is really the end goal of this series. It's not even to entertain, really. It's about, like, how many stories and literal scripture quotes can you get the guy who introduces Bible Man, like, at least everyone else, like, looked, either looked or didn't look at the camera. But the guy they got to start the press conference scene, this is kind of like staring around the room while he's reading his lines. And he know. just is, like, attempting to do that thing that good speakers do, which is that they, like, interact and engage with the audience and they make eye contact and they make everyone feel like they're part of the conversation. But it was as if you designed an animatronic to attempt to do that. And so they just mimicked the movements with none of the eye contact, feeling, or intention. Maybe he was involved, though, in the sinister plot that shows up in the press conference. Maybe that was his role. Because, you see... You're giving this guy so much more credit than he deserves. After the sermon, they finally reveal their poster. And it has been replaced with a promotional poster for Big Bad Bully. Oh, no. The video game. Who would have switched the poster? Who? It's the Bible girl, probably. She you sucks. She's big Bible girls and was on inside job. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh she's more of a Gnostic gospel fan. That's a joke for like three people in the country. That's not true. It's not I it's not a joke for any of your listeners, so that's exciting. Things break down. The uh the the dupes in the trapped room, they manage to break out because the one girl can do gymnastics. And because of the Lord, Bill. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Because they of prayed. the Lord. She does, like, just totally give give herself up later. Like, yeah. the one guy was at, he's like, hey, she did a really good job of getting us out of there. 
And she's like, oh, no, it was only through the Lord that I could do it. It's like, all right, well, I mean, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy you did it. Yeah. Nice flips. Sick, sick flips, bro. Uh, Bible girl breaks a cardboard sign over the robot's head, which apparently damages it enough that Bible man can poke it and it falls over. Yeah, robots. This is all sound physics. I don't know what, I don't know why you're looking at me like it's funny. Oh my god, I, I keep remembering more things. After they reveal the poster, yes. Bible man says, "This is not our poster." <laughs> wasn't clear initially oh my god i'm sorry i took i i have to tell you i watched this episode and it was so traumatizing i felt i had to watch it again and take better notes no that's really document things that's fair so what's a really funny trip is when you're watching this while you're trying to do other stuff and so you get vaguely distracted and then you come back to it and you're like what is happening and then you do that every five minutes for 32 minutes it's great it's an experience. It, it's a nightmare, Shelby. It's great. It's so good. I'm so happy we watched this. All right, now what happens? Now what happens is an RC car rolls out into the press conference area. By the way, the press conference area looks like what Jacob Wall would use for a press conference. Not incorrect. Yeah. And, and there's like a, a memory chip or something on the RC car. And Bible Man is like, I'm going to take it back. Bible Girl's like, that's a good idea. And Bible Man's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And they do it. So then they they go back and they're like, okay, we're going to put the memory chip in. And they cut away to uh, Smigum, Smigum, Smigum. I made it out of clay. And he's like, I hope they put the memory chip in. And then they cut back and he's like, all right, the chip's in. And then Smigum, <laughs> Smigum to the third shows up and is like, hey, I know your secret identity. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, and that is, and that's the real fear for every superhero, right? Is that. They'll find out that they are a pasty, generic white guy with no power or anything. He looks like someone tried to draw Chris O'Donnell from memory. <laughs> Ow, it hurts my bones. It's too accurate. Um, yeah, he looks. He does look like a like an amateur police sketch artist attempted. Never mind, that was going to get too mean too fast. <laughs> I was stop. Um, yeah, Ralph Swiggum was really like, that was his master plan, was to make sure that he would, his identity would be revealed. Also, this is nothing but a recycling of like every trope possible, which is why I, I've got, I have to look for more examples of like the robot villain relationship because it's got to be a trope because this is, they're going to be unmasked. Like, okay, cool. How many right. people are actually looking to her Bible man? Right. Uh, yeah, Swiggum Third Revenge of the Sith, is very certain that this is going to cause a problem. And he credits Swiggum to Attack of the Clones for making it happen. Because in a previous episode, they right. figured it out and they used the, the enemy database. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, that thing that enemies have. Yeah. And then the the video ends and no sorry i will say that yes, i do love that they use the anime database to figure out by a like process of 17 different steps who bible man was within a margin of like i think they said it was like point like it was like 99.97 percent or something and i wanted so much for him to be like that's not me <laughs> like just like, just really like lean into trying to not immediately incriminate himself but he's like 
you've gotten my identity. And it's like, no, well, yeah, try to at least play dumb a little bit. Dumber than you already look inherently by the shape of your face. <laughs> um, but he doesn't. And like, oh, my God. The, the, the other three people don't really care. They're just like, yeah, whatever. We're, we're nobody. <laughs> you also know who he is. Yeah. That's, this is cool. Okay. Like, I think they are, they sort of acknowledge the fact that by, they would also, by extension, have their identities exposed. But, like, I think they, they're they like, yeah, we don't care if this leads to people finding out who we are. It doesn't make sense also because the other ones are probably teenagers. Yeah. Or, like, young adults. At least one of them admits to have been, having been a bully before she was a Christian. Yeah, of course. Which is amusing to think that she would have stopped being a bully and then she said i had to i had to ask for forgiveness from a lot of people and i was like did you join aa at the same time (laughs) um she even has to persuade them that what she actually did was bullying they're they're like ah you didn't like hit them or anything she's like no it's still bullying yeah she's like i didn't hit anyone or anything it's like no that's like this show is a weird conception of bullying right which makes me think everyone in the show was a bully Anyone that wrote this doesn't know what bullying looks like because they didn't experience it. Bible Man bullied that villain in the first part of the show. Sure. He, he showed up at his the, house. Yeah, he does. And he bullies the villain at the end of this episode, too. Oh, my God. The end end is actually bullying. Like, that's actually shameful. It, it really is. But we have to get there. We have to get there. We have to follow the narrative. We're close. Okay, so they're like, we don't care, but... Josh or Bible Man is like, oh, man. God, his name is fucking Josh. He doesn't even seem that torn up about the fact that his identity is discovered. He's like, oh, how did he do this to me? How did you, how could you have prevented this from happening? What could you have done differently if you're going to be Bible Man? Like, someone was going to find out eventually. Right. But he's, like, very hung up on the fact that he is to blame for this happening. Sure. It's completely his fault. And not really any other element. Like, villainy or evil. And so he walks out. He's like, I need to get some air. And he walks out and some music plays. And he he remembers his childhood of being bullied. Sure. And he stops by where they're going to sell big... Oh, God. I did three words. Big Bad Bully. Buh-buh-buh. Yeah, buh Better Business Bureau. <laughs> Better, they're going to sell the Better Business Bureau in its entirety. Which clearly did not check up on this show or this this show at all because it shouldn't have existed. There's definitely laws it violates. And when he wanders up, a dad who is clearly not miked asks his son, like, hey, do you want to buy the game? And it's the responsible kid from earlier. And he's like, no, I don't need this game. I don't need to be a bully. And then this galvanized... I want to bully that kid so bad. <laughs> I just want to shove him in the locker. And I agree that you shouldn't bully, but now I want to bully this kid. I want to bully him as a grown adult woman. <laughs> I want to put him in a trash can. <laughs> and but... close the lid. <laughs> so somehow this galvanizes Bible Man, though. And he's like, wow, this thing... That I was just talking about because the kid repeats back the Nebuchadnezzar uh, sermon. And so he's like, wow, this thing that I just said makes a lot of sense. Good job, me. But like, good job, God also. Right? Like, that's the implication is that it's because of God. But also, like, yeah, Josh, I did it. Good job, (laughs) self. So so we we go back to the headquarters and they're like, well, we're going to go off and beat up this robot dude. Chief Clancy Swiggum of Springfield. Right. And Josh shows up. He's like, no, Josh is here. No, wait, Bible Man is here. 
so bad. They they show up. They do more of the fighting where like CGI lasers are shot at them, and they wave their arms to block it. Right. This allows Bible Man to get the drop on on Swigum, and then they do the, the same fighting again, where it's like they fight a little bit, they banter, they fight a little bit, they banter. I don't know if we've fully contextualized this. Like every every chance they get, they're just reciting passages from the Bible, right. Psalms, like. Constantly. The superpower that he has is more than anything is just the ability to memorize. Their their accuracy with remembering the Bible, they even do it in unison at one point. That was pretty good. Yeah. They've spoken pretty good to unison. And that is that is a skill, a genuine skill that some people aspire towards. And not just for the novelty of memorization, but actually because there is use in that. So they think. So Shelby, I have a question for you. When Bible Man, you know, he, he shows up to fight Swigum, he's like, is he resigned to the fact that his identity is going to be revealed? It doesn't seem clear to me that he knows they're going to, like, stop. Fighting. That he has a programmer on his, his team that can reprogram this robot at some point in the future? Or, like, unplug the, the router or whatever he does to stop the transmission from yeah. happening? Yeah, he hacked it. He unplugged it. That's Un- how you hack things. So I think that that would, the resignation to his place in life would require such a level of self-awareness that I think he is physically incapable of mustering. (laughs) Um, And I think it's like, I think if there's ever been a Jesus take the wheel moment, it's this, right? Like literally... (laughs) They're going to find out I'm Josh. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Laser, laser, laser. I wear a jumpsuit all day. <laughs> That's Josh. My face is shiny and hard. <laughs> and I hang out with 21-year-olds. It's not weird. I'm 35. It's fine. <laughs> I, just got f- I just got fired from the pick and save. Uh, Josh is not my favorite person. Uh, but anyway, this does culminate in in a truly intense climax. That's right. Yeah. They're, they're fighting. Uh, yeah. Cypher shows up and pulls the plug. So they can't like tell someone Josh's identity, which for the second you're like, Oh, well that's not going to stop this guy. Swigum from telling it later. He knows that, uh, Swigum shoots a missile at the girls, but Bible man hits it with a sword and deflects it. Sure. Yeah. And Swigum ties up all the three, side characters and then it's one-on-one bible man but bible man has a secret weapon so this is one of those points that i mentioned earlier where i zoned out and then started paying attention again (laughs) and i don't know if there's any further context to this but i sort of hope there isn't i don't know where he got the water balloon oh okay okay it's not clear. I don't think they explain okay, it. Okay, good. So I have just as much information as you. Yeah. He kills a cyborg with a water balloon. Well, yeah. he short circuits him and doesn't murder him. It sounds like Swigum feels like he's going to be murdered if he gets hit by water. Yeah, but Bobman does it anyway. He says it specifically that he says, like, that's going to that's gonna short circuit me or something, which I think is like a, a cyborg half man, half robot contemplating his mortality a fact that he had never had to contemplate before because he was so drunk on power and repressing the intense emotions he was feeling dealing with like the implications of changed humanity through uh, modification with machine and like technology and, and the really intense thing that it does to your, your psyche when you go through that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that must be what they were thinking about when they they wrote that scene. Or they have to explain everything before it happens because they think the audience is too stupid to watch a show. It's 50-50. It's a coin flip either way. They Bible Man throws the water balloon, shorts out Swigum 3, and doesn't kill Swigum, but it does leave him uh, like compromised. So they have to do something so he can't just tell everyone Bible Man's identity, I, right. I guess. Right. They have to wipe his memory. Yeah, they brainwash him and take away his identity and reprogram into a, a singing, evangelizing robot. This is eldritch horror like they took a a man a person with personhood who was evil but a person with some sort of like sentience and free will and space to exist they put him in a coma and then they reprogrammed his brain to repeat i think he was singing a kid's hymn if i remember correctly it sounded like some kind of song on repeat in public seemingly forever like and i'm assuming if we're going to take this to its fullest extent that like his cyborg body allows him to live a life longer than a normal person yeah and that there's something deep within his core this is a black mirror episode even as his organic parts will gradually fail his mechanical heart will keep beating long after his brain has withered we have to pause this because I have to figure out what song he was singing. Because I knew I recognized it, and I was like, "That's dis- that's distasteful." That I know what song this is, um, but it was truly horrifying to watch. Like truly, truly horrifying to see him. Because that was like that was redemption to them, and I think that's the thing that horrifies me is that like that was the redemptive arc for this character was that he was made to speak the good word of God. Yeah. His conversion was absolute and unyielding. Yes. And completely compulsory. Maybe, maybe saying the quiet part out loud with that. Yeah. (laughs) While you're looking that up, I'll just mention, Oh yeah. The kids who were bullied earlier, they sort of stand up for themselves against bullies later. And then they get left alone and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what the poster told them to do. Yeah. So it's like a Bible. It's like a Bible, um, like a vacation Bible school song that spells B I B L E. Like it's Bible. Yes. Bible huh. that, um, yeah. Babel, the, oh, the, the tower. Fish. No, the fish oh, from, the fish. uh, from hitchhiker's guide. That oh, allows you to yeah. understand languages. Um, that was an unimportant aside, but I, I just had to deal with that. And Shelby, how could this episode possibly end there? There's one more thing that has to happen before they conclude. Bible Man does tequila shots. That would be certainly unexpected and more entertaining than what we actually got. Bible Man getting a tattoo? Ooh, I, I feel there's got to be like a, a subgenre of like very Christian tattoos, like lots of crosses, right? Bible man making it rain on a stripper. Again, may, that would be way that, that. Hey, these hard left turns for Bible man would give something to this show. He's making it rain, but it's those tiny Bibles that they hand out at like bus stops. Yeah. They're like the paper ones, like without a spine. Oh, it's just it's, chick tracks. It, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, he gives a sermon, makes everyone pray together. Yeah. 
because of course he does. Yeah. Weirdly, so what's funny to me is like that is the most excusable part of the episode to me. It is a little uncomfortable that at the end he breaks the fourth wall and like talks directly to you, the person watching. But like that is at least exactly what this is supposed to be and is for what it is, which is a sh- Christian show for children, well executed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it does what it intends to. Yeah. I guess doing what it intends to do is actually the high point for the show. Yeah, so. that is the only thing that it's done right. Um, and so while it isn't my taste or interest, um, it does at least execute its intention to the fullest of its immediate ability, uh, unlike literally every other second of this show. Shelby, mercifully, this episode is over. I don't even want to rate it. I'm just tired. It's not good. Do we need to rate it? Like, it, no. There were there weren't even. They video don't games. even talk about video games. I so okay. I will say to the point of them talking about video games. They clearly it's something that's in the zeitgeist, right? It's something that kids are around, and there's clearly this implication that video games are a space for kids to do something immoral. Right. That there's all this hype and fanfare around this game, that there's some sort of that like it is a space where kids can live out their immoral or like sinful fantasies. That sounds grosser than I meant it to. I'm more meant of like the argument about violence in video games, but toning it down and really ham fisting in specifically a lesson about bullying and it's interesting because to that point, like, it really doesn't understand anything about video games. It just has made it this sort of, like, sh- straw man of a devil that it can put on something bad to punch it with a water balloon to make a point. I am endlessly fascinated by this show and its existence and its long run and, and a lot of things around specifically Christian cho- uh, Christian children media and around the perception of video games in the like evangelical community and i really love and hate how much it wants me this show has made me want to like bully both children and adults (laughs) like that feels like it didn't do what it intended so i know if you slap my breakfast out of my hands like later this week i'll know why yeah for sure that's exactly what it is is it's bible man's fault yeah but I would say that I'm sorry for subjecting you to this, but I'm not. <laughs> this was great. It was a joy. And not for the, any of the reasons they intended. And that's why I love bad media. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Ian Beckman about Cosmos Quick Stop. No one's still listening to this. I hope not for Ian's sake there. And we are back from break. Joining me to talk once again on this palatial VoIP line is Ian Beckman. Hi. He is one of the developers behind Cosmos Quick Stop, which is a product of his team Big Sur Games. Uh, we've had the pleasure to chat a few times before live, but this is going to be our first of our first VoIP conversation, then second of our first longer conversation. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited for this. So I think, first of all, uh, you may have even done this previously, uh, with uh, our chats, but could you give like a one to two minute summary of what Cosmos Quick Stop is for the unfamiliar? Sure. Uh, so Cosmos Quick Stop is a interstellar gas station management game. Um, so basically how that works 
is that uh, you kind of play this janitor character called Morvan, and you are running around this gas station, and uh, different aliens are showing up, and they want things like gas, you know, uh, their gas refilled, or car washes, or they might need to use the glorp room, or they might even want crazier stuff like hot coffee showers, or, you know, a trip to the Electra Spa, or something like that. So these aliens show up, they want these things, and you have to run around and kind of complete these tasks for them. So, you know, if they want their gas pumped, you have to run over to the specific docking station and do a specific motion to kind of complete that. So each task has its own motion and kind of unique mechanic to it. Um, and so you're kind of just trying to stay on top of all the customers coming in. And if you take too long with anybody, they leave. Um, and so that's kind of where, you know, the time management portion comes in. Now, what was the inspiration uh, for this game? I mean, running around doing a bunch of different tasks like that, that has existed before. But I think this is a, a totally different spin on that formula. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've definitely taken influences from games like Cook, Serve, Delicious or uh, Overcooked. Um, stuff like that, but uh, we, our core team is three 3D uh, artists to begin with, um, and so when we started working on this project, we really wanted to focus on 3D art, you know, 3D environment, 3D animation, so we kind of decided to make a game um, in this 3D space and kind of take this classic time management style of stuff and really amp it up to uh, make it so you actually have to run around. Um, the whole concept of in space is kind of this like kind of crazy long story where um, we were doing a game jam while we were working on a different project, and that game jam kind of came, kind of was the uh, the starting point for uh, Cosmos, but it was originally set as you were working as an employee in a call center in hell. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, so the, the theme of the game jam was ritual with an exclamation point at the end. And we were like, well, this kind of combines the concept of like office rituals with like satanic rituals. So you would have to run around and if someone would want a possessed Ouija board or something. So you would have to run over the Ouija board machine and like move it around and stuff like that. So we that was just a little game jam, but it was a lot of fun to work on. And then we ended up canceling that other project um, we were working on so we went back to that game jam and we we're like well this was super fun and the scope is not too crazy let's take out you know the whole like you know hell like religious overtones and if we put it in space we can basically do anything we want so that's how that happened though to be fair i'm sure many convenience store or gas station employees would describe it as a form of hell <laughs> most probably yes there are three 3D animators on the team, but I know for a fact that at one point there were just two. It was uh, you and your wife, Erin. Now, uh, at what point did your uh, third Brian come to be a part of the project? Um, he was he was there almost at the start. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing where like um, Big Sur itself like existed before Brian, but we spent most of that time working on that project that uh, we ended up canceling. Um, and so I think Brian was starting on the tail end of that or right when Cosmo was switching over or something like that. So, I mean, he's for Cosmo, it's like he's his his uh, his vision is part of the core of the process. He was in very early. So that which is good because, I mean, his vision for all of this art and stuff is amazing. As you have uh, grown this project from Ritual into Cosmos Quick Stop, did you have a fully mapped out set of 
ideas for features that was at the beginning or has that evolved over the development process oh it's it's uh it's evolved a lot we never had a you know a straight up and down list of everything we wanted and um a lot of how we designed was like okay we want to try to get you know 20 different mini games in the game and but like what those actually were that's gone through a lot of experimentation and stuff like that we have ideas that we've you know implemented that turned out to be like no fun or just like bad ideas or the couldn't quite figure out the mechanics of um so all that hits the you know we cut that out um so it's kind of a winding process of where we ended up now and and the other part of it too is that uh when we first started working on cosmos like we didn't imagine it having this like big campaign mode which is what we've been spending the last you know year developing and so as we got more you know into the lore of the game and the mechanics of the game we were like okay i i do think there's something here that's you know worth spending some extra time on and getting the campaign mode in so that was definitely kind of a bit of a change of directory because if we had decided to do not do a campaign mode and just kind of do a kind of a score attack mode, which is what you can play in the current demo. I don't know. This project must probably done, be done like a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> Humor is a big part of what I've seen even so far from Cosmos Quickstop, not really having even touched the campaign. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering is, do you have like a a brainstorming session where you come up with humorous ideas for jokes and like concepts? Or is that kind of a, just a spontaneous process um it's a bit of both like a lot of um kind of the story arc for the campaign is definitely like aaron brian and i kind of sitting down like with a whiteboard or something like that you know have you know have a red bull or something and just be like okay what can we what can we put up here on the whiteboard and so like the outline of stuff is definitely planned between all of us but then the little jokes the little one-liners or the little like funny text on the side of a box or I mean that's a lot of um Brian's humor in there or you know our humor where we can find a way to to put it or something like that all the little jokes are normally is just somebody does something and they might not even tell anybody else they're putting it in the game and the other people find it and it's just like oh this is great and stuff like that <laughs> definitely the big story arc stuff we we plan out I've noticed uh at, at one diff- at one point when you were uh, writing about the progress of the game you talked about the importance of marketing. Mm. Now, uh, I think you referenced that marketing is like a fire that not only do you have to start it and build it, you have to tend to it and stoke it carefully over time. Yeah. How has your understanding of marketing grown over the course of the project? Oh, that's so tough. I mean, I I wish I could say I understood it better. I mean, I definitely know more than I do than I did, you know, two three years ago. But it's been one of the most difficult processes for us just to figure out, you know, the best way to tell people about the game and how to explain the game to people because most of the time, you know, they see a GIF or a screenshot and they just don't know what's going on. We did actually hire um, someone to help us with that, Lauren. Uh, I think she goes Indigo Wolfie, um, but she's, you know, a streamer. Uh, you know, content manager, stuff like that. So she does a lot of the kind of community management work for us now. And, um, you know, she's been taking the lead on a lot of stuff about how to message people and how to interact with people. 
Um, because we, you know, we've tried everything. Like we have a Discord, we have a free demo, we have a merch store. You know, it's we're just trying basically every single direction we can to see what's uh, sticking. Um, and we spent, you know, maybe you know, last six months kind of setting up all of these different avenues. And now we're kind of collecting data on stuff and saying, okay, you know, the our Reddit we set up most probably that's not generating most interest. So maybe we don't need to spend time on that. And maybe we spend more time on, you know, getting our free demo in the hands of, you know, small streamers or, you know, communities to play you know, and start generating interest that way. So it's definitely been a learning experience for all of us. But I think for us now, the biggest thing is pushing the demo we have as much because we're very confident in the demo. We know it's fun, you know, and it's the best way for people to, you know, understand the game is to play the game. Mm, I did. I did notice that you seem to have a very concise uh, explanation for the game's premise right up the at the top of the interview. Yeah, yeah, I've explained it a lot of times, and you know, part of that is um, the other part of marketing is we have been to a lot of conventions, and so you know, you definitely start learning a specific spiel that you've said a million times. Yeah, when we last talked at uh, PAX East 2019. Your booth was uh, it, it 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 was much much different than the first time I saw you guys at a uh, Logan Theater where there was like all these uh, props. You each had like uniforms for the Quick Stop Station on. Yeah. Very eye catching. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we spent a lot of time on it. Those big conventions, like you're competing with, you know. Nintendo, you know, Facebook, all these places. And so, like, you got to do everything you can to try to stand out. So, yeah, I mean, the I think my favorite part of it was that we've created these massive, like, seven-foot-tall foam tentacles that were kind of coming out of the kind of out of the booth and stuff. And I think that really helped stick us, you know, catch people's eyes. Do you currently plan to attend PAX East 2020? I don't know if the exhibitors list is officially released, but is it potentially a plan for you uh we were very actively thinking about it but um we decided to not go simply because my um brother and sister-in-law are having uh their first child that weekend and we wanted to be around to help with that that is probably a good thing to be present for. <laughs> yeah that's what we thought too you know you got a family family before game dev are you going to miss the conventions when ultimately cosmos quick stop is released yeah i i love the conventions i i know that uh i think aaron is uh not the biggest fan of them and brian could could do without them but for me i really love them i love the production of them and it's a very stressful thing but at the same time like it's a very like active like we have a bunch of tasks we're getting a bunch of stuff done there's immediate results you know we're talking to people people playing the game um i do really like that about it opposed to you know working on the game which is a project we've worked on for over three years now and it's you know there's never you, you it's much harder to get that active point of like oh we've succeeded in this in this thing we've set out to do maybe it's like the equivalent of a runner's high where it's like it's demanding and you're like putting all of your effort into it but once you're doing it it feels pretty good yeah i would definitely i would definitely say that and the and when it's done it feels amazing you know that you've accomplished so much you've talked to so many people you've shown your creation to the world and at the end of it you know when you're tearing down you're just 
it's this it, you're so tired but you're so happy that you know it's done but it's also that it went well and that you know things that you planned you know worked out and stuff like that so yeah it's a very much like kind of love hate kind of thing <laughs> so Ian, i do have a couple other questions for you not directly related to the project sure. uh first of all you are not related in any way to the Ian Beckman who worked on the web series <laughs> Arby and the Chief, are you? No, no, but I, it's strangely enough, I, this is not the first, people, people get me confused with him sometimes, yeah. He's definitely uh, got a bit of a, bit more of a, a presence out there, but I've had cousins like go to his website and be like, oh, I love your website and stuff, but uh, no, I am not related to him in any way. <laughs> I, I, I could just swear because like the SEO was part of it, but also like if if your profile picture, if the hair was a little shorter and you didn't have the facial hair, I, I see a resemblance. I swear. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew uh, I had to. I had to make my mark somehow. So that's why, like, all of my, you know, my Twitter handle and stuff like that, it all has my middle initial in it. I was like, I'm Ian M. Beckman. You know. <laughs> noted. Yes. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> and then, uh, lastly, I have previously asked you questions about Pokemon. Mm. And uh, I feel like I have an obligation to ask you a new fresh question so we're not uh, putting out stale content. <laughs> sure, sure. So if you could name the Pokemon that would be best suited to the job of retail manager, or in other words, running a quick stop, oh. which Pokemon would it be? Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Um, I don't know. My first, my first thought would be like a Mr. Mime, I think, you know, just because uh, I feel like they're dexterous enough and they can move around and, you know, and they can uh, make the customers laugh if, uh, you know, something's going wrong or something like that. Or, you know, if an asteroid's about to hit the station or something, you know, maybe they can mime a, a, a barrier or something to kind of protect it or something. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I I was kind of this is a dark horse pick, but I was thinking about like maybe a tentacruel. Ooh. Because so many so many arms. Oh, that's a that's a good thought. Exactly. Like they're big, so they'd have a little trouble maneuvering through the station. Yeah. So maybe a tentacool is correct, <laughs> since they're you know the, the less evolved, smaller version. Yeah. Something to think about. It. Something to think yeah, about. Yeah, you got the, it's a good thought. You got to be careful though, because later in the game, you your station does get infested with a tentacle monster so it's almost like there's one already living living there and it's just making your Ooh. life worse <laughs> okay all right something all right we'll, we'll, we'll think about that yeah yeah <laughs> uh ian thank you so much for your time uh first of all where can people find out more about the game and uh just do you have a general idea of when it will be out and where it will be, be playable yeah, so um, we're aiming for a spring release right now. Um, there's a couple things, you know, we we're talking with some people that could change um, that release date. But if that if that is the case, that just means there's just going to be more features and it's going to be available in more locations. So it's a good thing um, if, if it does get hmm. pushed back. Right now we're aiming for a Steam release um, in spring. And um, if you want more information about the game, uh, good places to go is you can follow us on Twitter at Big Sur Games. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.cosmosquickstop.com, uh, where you can sign up for our mailing list. You can uh, find links to the free demo. Um, you can buy stuff from the merch store. You can see trailers and stuff like that. Also, of course, you can wishlist 
wishlist list on Steam. And then if you want to play the free demo, you can find it uh, on itch.io slash Games, I believe. Okay. In that case, thank you very much for your time. Ah, thank you. It's been a blast. And we are back from break. One more time, big thank you to Ian. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Cosmos Quick Stop in its finalized form. Uh, one thing you can do is, even if you're not necessarily planning to buy these games, uh, which, you know, hey, fair play, uh, these games are all pretty much, the ones I do on this show, the people I talk to, they all show up on Steam pretty much, which is the PC platform of choice. And if you add this game or other games that I've talked about to your wait list, that is one of the ways that people know that the games can bubble up in the Steam algorithm and become more visible to other viewers, other players. Uh, it takes very little time, and it, you know it, it helps out these people who are trying to make a living with their uh, ideas. Yeah, the the algorithm. We're all slaves to the algorithm, but there are ways to work around it and work with it to help people out who deserve to be signal boosted. Maybe for like the first time in literally a decade, it feels like Steam is trying to do stuff to make games more uh, exposed that aren't just like, you know, the big titles. Right, for sure. But yeah, wishlist it if you have. Well, it's also like, so people are going to, people are going to game the system and sometimes they're going to be like bots and weird content farms from other countries who are doing it just to make crass amounts of money. But if you can use similar tactics or, or play into the algorithm to try to get great games um, or interesting games or unique things up, like, yeah, use those tactics. They're going to work. So die. Uh, so die. Oh, my God. I'm Shelby. How dare you oh. confuse me for a better quality podcast guest. So Shelby, I actually have a announcement. I think I am going to put Bill's Magic Minute on hiatus. No, don't. No, I'm, don't try and stop me. I just I won't. Okay, okay. I, I said I've been playing that much Magic lately. That's fair. And I don't think I'll be playing much in the future. And I love the bit, but I also need to like be able to kind of talk about Magic and like what's happening in Magic. I think for the bit to work. Yeah, that's so, fair. So, uh, are yeah. you gonna are you gonna change it up for? Um, Bill's uh, Hearthstone Hearth? I thought you were going to say like Bill's Hearthstone Hour for like another unit of time. Hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to pronounce the H. Uh, no, I'm, please don't. Please don't do that. Well, I might do like Bill's Rune Terra Revolution. Oh, uh, Bill's Team Fight Tactics Takedown. You could do Bill's uh, Gwent get together i got there there we go bills uh ooh, what are the other card games uh, solitaire Solita- shindig yeah bill's hearts hoedown yes i did a little hoedown dance thank you thank you very much for your time shelby thanks for being a guest on this week's episode uh if you want people to find you anywhere where can they find you they can find me at uh, Shelby underscore Fawn on Twitter and Instagram. I post insignificant things on both, um, but I am around, um, and you may find me amplifying other people's cool things. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, as for us, we can be reached by 
email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Simplecast or stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits. That's Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Wednesdays for card games, usually Magic the Gathering Online or MTG Arena. Thursdays for a variety of different games. So uh, Shelby recently I finished up A Way Out on stream, and that was a good treat. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember when you started that. Good game. I've also been playing... Uh, what else have I been playing? Jeez. Uh, Transistor. No, that was six months ago. I play a variety of games on stream. You, you'll just have to trust me. Oh, I was playing PSVR games recently. Last week I played a little bit of Astrobot, played a little bit of uh, Moss, played a little bit of Tetris oh, Effect. God. Moss is so cute. I'm still here. Moss is really cute. It's really cute, yeah. It's so cute. And if you want to listen to other great nerdy podcasts, you can go to nerdalogs.com. So many bits is there, plus a bunch of other great ones. And last but not least, thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer.